All right. Well, it's good to see all of you. If you're joining in online, those of you in COZAD, uh, thank you so much for joining in today. If you've been a part of the crossing for any length of time, um, you what we're going to talk about today is probably not brand new to you. And in fact, uh, your tendency might be to kind of check out and say, oh, well, I've heard, I've heard this. But I hope that you don't. I hope that you don't check out because um, you need to be sharpened in this. And I, and, and I know that because this has been my life for so many years. It's just a part of who I am. And, uh, and, and I could do this sermon with my eyes closed. I know this so well. Um, and yet, as I had been preparing this last week, I have been sharpened. And in fact, I have invited uh, way more people this last week than I had in weeks previous to that, just because of how sharpened I have been um, in this. And it's kind of weird for me to invite people. It's like, hey, you... you Want to come listen to me preach? I mean, that's a weird invite, right? So, um, you know, we need to be sharpened. If you're new to the crossing, uh, those of you in Kozad, if you're new to the crossing, or maybe you're just checking the church out, you're not even sure that, that this is where you want to land, um, this is absolutely essential for you to know this. Um, and, and it'll make some, you know, uh, clarity, hopefully, for you to, to decide, hey, is this where you want to... Uh, land and is this the church you want to move with? And uh, and because all of us, if we have any chance of of you know accomplishing our mission together, we all need to pull and push in the same direction, and we all need to be on the same page and everyone heading down the same path. And so it's essential that we all uh, are on the same page when it comes. Um, to, to this. And, uh, and if you're in-house or maybe you're watching online, you're not a Bible person, you don't necessarily believe in, in God, uh, you're certainly not a church person. Um, this is actually a great uh, morning for you to be here because, and a great morning for you to, to watch online because here's the thing, um, you can be like a fly on the wall and listen to an insider conversation. And I would imagine maybe the one of the reasons you're skeptical about the church is because you think there's stuff behind the curtains um, that if you actually looked back there, that you'd be like, oh, yeah, they're conning people like churches do, and, and, uh, and they're not really authentic. And, 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 I, and you know what? And that's not a criticism. I, I would imagine if I was in your shoes, I would believe exactly the same thing. So this is great for you to listen to an insider conversation because you get to look behind the curtain, and I hope that you see that there's nothing but authenticity behind the curtain. So today I want to talk about the what, the why, and the how of our mission. So what is our mission? Our mission is to see people meet, follow, and love Jesus. And, and here's the thing, last week if you you know, we're here last week, we kind of talked about the fact, and I don't think it's a surprise to anyone, that the rural church in, in America, but specifically the rural church in Nebraska, is dying. In fact, it's not just dying, it's on life support. And, and it's, it's not in good shape. And one of the reasons it's, it's not, and we talked last week about, you know, all organizations kind of going from outward focus to being inward focused, um, is is they're not sure somewhere along the line, the mission kind of got lost. 
They're not sure why they're meeting together. They just know that they're meeting together, but they're not really necessarily wanting to, they want to accomplish something together, but they're not even sure exactly what it is they're doing. And, and most rural churches don't even have a mission statement. So they're, you know, they're not even sure where it is they're going or what it is they're trying to do. Or if they have a mission statement, it's so long, no one knows it. Like when the pastor gets up to tell you the mission, I mean, here's the pastor, the one who should know the mission better than anyone else. And he's like, and here's our mission. We're going to go see and make sure. And let me see here. I got to read it. I mean, he's even got to read it, right? So it's any wonder why everyone's kind of like, I'm not sure where we're going because it's not portable. So our mission is to see people meet, follow, and love Jesus. But here's the thing. I'm afraid that we say this so much that you guys could say it. If someone, if someone from outside would come in here and ask you what the mission is, you could probably tell them something of this. You might not get it totally right, but you're kind of like, it's kind of, you know, this is it. But here's the thing. You hear it so much that my fear is that it's going to you know, it just goes through one ear and out the other, that you have it as head knowledge, but it hasn't impacted your heart. And, and that kind of flows into, it, it, it needs to impact our heart, and that flows into really the question of why. Why are we on this mission? And, and I couldn't have, you know, timed this up if I tried, but God in his, you know, sovereignty lined up this last week of I think the, the mission in, you know, in extremely powerful terms was illustrated to us this last Monday night in Monday night football. When here is a football player laying flat on his back on the football field and they are administering CPR on him for nine, ten minutes just trying to keep him alive and that balance of is it going to be life or death? Is it going to be life or death? And in that moment, the, all of the things that our culture has made an idol to make number one, to worship more than anything else, in, in that moment, all of those things were worthless. They meant nothing. And, and in that moment, so interesting to me, it's so interesting to me, in that moment, here is a man on ESPN in live TV praying. A year ago, he would have been fired for that. And in that moment, in everyone's hopelessness, and helplessness, and, and even people that probably didn't, don't, don't even believe there's a God found themselves like, like reaching out to some higher power outside of themselves because they didn't know what else to do to see if there was something outside of them that could help this person. <laughs> see, we have the answers to everlasting life. We believe that everyone lives forever somewhere. And we know that, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way to eternal life, that eternal life is found in him. And not only do we have this, this message of eternal life, but we have the message of a better life. 
that when you follow Jesus in this life, that, that eternal life actually starts right there and abundant life starts right there. And Jesus will teach you. Once you follow him for a while, he will teach you and make you better at life. And when you're better at life, it just makes sense that your life gets better. So why? <laughs> Man, I, I don't think we should have to talk too much as to why. I think we had a really powerful illustration of it this last week. But another reason why is because that's what Jesus commanded us to do. And Matthew wrote it down for us in Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 18. He said, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So in other words, Jesus is saying, all authority has been given to me, to which I would say, yeah, you, you predicted your own death, burial, and resurrection, and you pulled it off. You want all authority in heaven? Yep, you can have it. Anyone, anyone who can predict his own death, burial, and resurrection and pull that off, you want authority wherever you want it, you got it. You want authority on heaven, you got it. You want authority on earth, Absolutely, you have all authority. And Jesus says, with all the, of all the authority, which there is no higher authority than that, with all of my authority, this is what I want you to do. This is the weight of the command that I am giving you. This is the weight of the importance of the why. He says, I want you to go and make disciples. This, this is the in present tense. And, and here's what I'm afraid, you know, churches tend to do. We don't, you know, we reach when we first, you know, kind of start being a church and, and that, that little plant grows and, and we're reaching and reaching and then we make a few disciples. And all of a sudden it's like, hey, we got enough disciples. Let's call it good. And we all of a sudden don't keep this in the present tense anymore. All of a sudden, we are okay no longer making more disciples. We are okay with the ones we've already made. And we no longer keep reaching and keep reaching and keep reaching. But this, in, in Jesus' mind, is you're going to keep you're going to make some and then make some more and then make some more and then it makes some more and then make some more. And that process is never going to end. And he accentuates this in the next verse. He says, teach these, what, what's this word? Oh, I didn't hear that. What, what is it? Okay, all of you in Kozad, all right, you got to yell this out. I understand it could be a little bit awkward over there, but you got to yell it out, all right? Everybody, one more time. What's this word? See, I think the church is comfortable just teaching the old ones over and over and over and over again. I mean, they get some new ones, and then they have enough of them, and then they're comfortable. They're comfortable just teaching the old disciples the same stuff over and over and over again. Here's the thing. If you've been following Jesus, if you've been in the church for a while, you know everything you need to know to live the Christian life effectively. There's not like some brand new thing that's like, whoa, no. And you know what? 
We get so comfortable just teaching the old ones over and over and over again that we don't even expect new disciples. In fact, when we do a series in in our context, when we do a series over again after three or four years, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, I already heard that one. I already been, why, why are they doing that? I've already heard that. Because there's a whole bunch of these here that have never heard it. And, and part, of, part of you is kind of like, oh, I can just check out. I, I don't even, I mean, I, I've, already, I've already got that. And, and the thing is, sometimes we get, we get a little comfortable just teaching the old ones. So Jesus is like, no, I want you to, and I, he's like, I'm assuming that if your church is in the, on a movement together and you're actually trying to accomplish the mission together, it's just assumed by Jesus that there's going to be these new disciples. So teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So in terms of priority of, of reaching it's not like we, you know, we, we don't want to care for the people who are inside the church and, and people that would consider themselves insiders. Absolutely not. I mean, we want to care for them better than, than, than any, anyone else could possibly imagine. We want to do an unbelievable job of caring for one another. That's, that's just part of one anothering one another. That's part of following Jesus. But in terms of priority in our church, sometimes I think churches when I in terms of, of reaching and, and, and having people meet Jesus or setting up dates for people to meet Jesus, I just tell you, until I was a part of the crossing, reaching was, was something you did as an outreach once a year. And then the rest of the year, you, you had off, right? I mean, you didn't really have to reach the rest of the year, it was like, well, you know, we're going to bring in this, this speaker. We're going to bring in this, this uh, band or something. We're going to bring in someone. It's an outreach event. Invite your friends there. Now, they would say invite your friends to church, but everyone was like, no way. No, not going to do that because that's painful, and I would not want any of my friends to endure what I endure every week. In fact, I think God thinks more highly of me because of the pain I go through every week. So we wouldn't invite our friends to, to church because that was not really, you know, geared for someone who was outside the church. And so consequently, outreach was just kind of once a year or every so often. It wasn't prioritized. But I think that's off. I, I think that's, that's, that's off in priority. In fact, you read the New Testament and Paul over and over and over again, he just talks about reaching and reaching and reaching. So interesting in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 19, if you got your paper Bibles, you can open those. If you got it on your phone, you can look at it there, 1 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 19. Paul says, even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all. Okay, so Paul, time out here. I mean, I'm assuming you would, and he does later say, you know, Jesus is my master. But in this context, he's kind of like, 
But in following Jesus, I, I have freedom. I, I'm not... I'm no longer following the Jewish 613 some odd laws and all of the festivals and, 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 and all of the gatherings and all of the celebrations. I, I'm, not, I, I'm a free man. I, and, and, and living for Jesus isn't out of obligation of, of I have to, it is I want to, and it is out of love. I am a free man with no mask. And I have become, even though I'm free, and you're kind of like, so why, why have you become a slave to all, Paul? I mean, why would, you, why would you do that? If you're free, why would you put yourself in a place of serving other people? Why would you do that? That doesn't make any sense. Paul makes it very clear. To bring many to Christ. That is my priority. That, that, is, that is where it starts with me. Yes, I want to do, you know, I want to disciple them, but here's the thing. It starts with bringing many people to Christ. He goes on. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew, to which I want to say, you are a Jew, Paul. Well, why would you do that, Paul? I mean, even though you're with the Jews, and, and, and here's the thing, he didn't hang out with a lot of Jews once he started going on his missionary you know, trips, and, and in fact, he would meet with the Jews first. Usually, they were just like, mm, no thanks, and then he would talk you know, go and talk to, to the Gentiles. But when he was with the Jews, he says, I live like a Jew. Why would you do that, Paul, when you don't have to? To bring the Jews to Christ? I want to, I want to interact with them in such a way that it doesn't shut them down, that it actually opens them up, that they would actually have ears to hear, that maybe they would, maybe they would listen and so I'm going to interact with them in such a way that I'm going to earn the right to be heard that hopefully they'll open their ears to hear what it is I want to say and the truth about the Messiah, the truth about Jesus. So why, why are you going to live like Jews when you're with the Jews, Paul? To bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under that law, but you don't have to, Paul. He says, I know that. Even though I am not subject to the law, I'm no longer subject to the law. I'm not living in the old covenant anymore. I don't have to follow all those 600 crazy laws. I'm over here in the new covenant where I follow one law, to love others as Jesus has loved me. It covers everything. It covers all of the law and the prophets. It covers everything. It is the platinum rule. So why then, when you're with Jews who are following all of these laws and, that you don't have to follow and going to all of these festivals that you don't have to do and doing all of this stuff, you know, and ceremonial cleansings and all of the things that you don't have to do, why are you doing that, Paul? Because that just seems like a big pain. And you've been freed from that, so why in the world would you subject yourself to that again, to bring to Christ those who are under the law. It is priority number one. He goes on, when I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, they didn't grow up even, they didn't grow up following all of those crazy laws and they don't know anything about them and they're not interested in following them. In fact, there was a big to-do and you can read about it in Acts chapter 15 where they're kind of like, you know what, 
uh, there was a group that was like, no, 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 these Gentiles have to become Jewish, and then they can become Christian. And they had a big powwow, and out of the powwow, they're like, nope, nope, they don't have to follow all of those laws. And so when Paul was hanging out with Gentiles, he too lived apart from the law. Why would you do that, Paul? <laughs> to bring them to Christ. Now, it's so funny because Paul, I think, is right, and then, and then he's kind of like, I should probably, because everyone's kind of like, you know, all of the older people in the crowd, this is kind of where, you know, my, my parents, um, they, they kind of like, okay, is Eric going off the rails here or, you know, what, what exactly he's doing? So Paul just wants to remind them I'm not going off the rails. So he, he says, but I do not ignore the law of God, in case you were like, are you just living willy-nilly? What, what are you doing, Paul? It's like, no, I don't. I obey the law of Christ, okay? So calm down. It's okay. You know, I, I have boundaries. I don't, I, I'm not going off the rails. But when I'm with a certain group of people, I, I interact with them in such a way that they would have ears to hear so that I can have an opportunity to share Christ with them. When I'm with those who are weak, I share their weakness. This is so extraordinary. Okay, so here's Paul, an unbelievably educated individual in a culture that was unbelievably not educated. Okay, so it would be so easy for him to be, I'm right, I'm educated, I can read. You know what? I, I, I know all of these things. In fact, I've written some books. And, uh, and guess what? You don't really know a whole lot. You're down here. You are illiterate and uneducated. And it would be so easy for me to actually talk to you like this. Because I'm right. You're wrong. I'm educated. You're not. But what does Paul do? When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. I come down and meet them right here because that's exactly what Jesus would do. And I do not put myself and elevate myself in some position that I don't belong and, and, and place a higher value on me than others, which I think the church has been extremely guilty of. Why would you do this, Paul? For I want to bring the weak to Christ. This is so powerful. We can't miss this. I mean, if you're falling asleep online, falling asleep over in Cozad, come on, if you're counting the lights, come on back with me for just a second here. This is so powerful. I try to find common ground with everyone. I think the church has been so content in just standing in the corner and being right that we have lost this. And it is any wonder why we live in a culture that has just basically kind of said the church is irrelevant and I don't want to have anything to do with it. Because somewhere along the line, we lost common ground with everyone. Doing everything, everything, Paul, everything. It's almost like you're willing to do anything short of sin to reach the next generation. Mm -hmm. Doing everything I can to save some, and then he just sums it up. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its 
blessings. I am willing to go to an extreme extent to win people to Jesus. It is where I start in my priority because I won't have anyone to disciple if I don't reach more and more and more people. But here's the thing, Crossing. Our mission, we didn't come up with it on our own. It was given to us by Jesus. So, you know, every church should be, you know, on the same mission together. Now, they may say, you know, our mission in a different way, but we're, we should all be on the same mission. But here's what you need to know about our mission. It's mission impossible. We, we can't make anyone do this. We can't make anyone meet Jesus. We can't make anyone follow him. We can't make anyone, we can't force someone into a relationship. You can't force someone to accept something. You just, it's impossible. So it begs the question, how? What is the method of how we are going to deliver this unbelievably important message to our generation? And to the next generation, how are we going to do that? Now, for us, and this is where there can be some differences in some churches, and that's okay as long as they've come up with a, you know, some answers as to how, but for us, for the crossing, our answer to this is we, we know the mission's impossible, so here's what we know that we can do. We can create irresistible environments. That's what we can do. That's within our control to do. So I want to spend the rest of our time kind of explaining three different environments that we try to make irresistible. The first one is the weekly corporate gathering. It is this environment. Kozad, it is the environment that you're sitting in right now. And we would call this a foyer environment. It, it, it is where we invite guests into our, our home and, and, and they're guests for the very first time. Now, when guests go into your home for the very first time, I would imagine they don't go through the garage. I would imagine they probably don't go through the back door. They come through the front door into your foyer. And, and, and when they come into your foyer, do you just open the door and then, you know, they look at you, you turn your back and go to the kitchen? That'd be weird, wouldn't it? Would they feel welcome in your house? Nope. Right? They would get that. Talk about awkward, right? No, you facilitate them through the entire process, right? And so it's the same way. It, it is a, this is a four-year environment for us. And here's some things of, of ways that we can make this uh, environment irresistible. You know how we make it in, in, in irresistible? You do. Those of you in COZAD, you, you do. We, we make it. In fact, I think this is the most powerful way that we can make this environment irresistible. Is all of us together on a mission together. So when I, when I invest and I invite and I invite and, and I invite and finally this person, and I have been inviting someone for, for quite a while, and there's going to come a time when she's going to come. And I tell you what, 
when she finally does, I know, I know for a fact that my church is going to have my back, that they're not going to just treat her like, what are you doing here? They're not going to cut their eyes at her like, you don't belong here. Some, of, some people who may have, you know, connections with this individual and, and, and know what they may be doing on Friday and Saturday night aren't going to look at them like, you don't belong here. You see, when you invest and you invite and your friend actually says yes, you, you are expecting the rest of your church family to have your back. And when they do, authentic relationships in a safe, non-judgmental, accept-you-where-you-are environment are irresistible because we are acceptance magnets. And when we are willing to say, you know what, I know exactly where you were last night, and I know exactly what you were doing last night, and you know what, this is the perfect place for you to be. I am so glad you're here. That's irresistible, and that is so different than than people's experience with the church. If that was people's experience with the church, I'm telling you, churches would be full, but they're not experiencing that. And we need to change that. We are, uh, I'm just telling you, we are one of the biggest ways that we make environments irresistible. Another one, amazing kid venture environments. If you are new to the crossing and you checked your kids into kid venture, I am so sorry. You are going to have to just plan on being here at 11 o'clock from now on. Because we want kids on Sunday morning to jump on their mom and dad's bed and say, we got to go to church, get up. This morning, I went over there because I had to go to the bathroom because I always have to go to the bathroom when I'm nervous, and this might surprise you, but I get super nervous every Sunday morning. And so I, I'm, I, I open the door, and I'm over here, and the bouncy house is over there, I mean, they're having a blast before they have their lesson and the bouncy house. I'm like, how many churches have a bouncy house going on Sunday morning? I don't remember that. In fact, I don't remember Sunday school being a whole lot of fun. Fun was not one of the part of the deals. That was not, not one of the values that we had, but, uh, well, you know, but it was all right. We want Kid Venture to be amazing. My mom, again this morning, was doing flannel graph and making it amazing. It's so old, it's brand new, and I guarantee you those kids are like, that's awesome. How does that stick on there like that? That's crazy. In fact, the last time I said this, some of you were like, what is flannel graph? You're going to ask my mom. She can tell you. All right, so we got to make Kid Venture amazing. Practical preaching. I, I hear this so much. Um, but, but here's the thing. Um, I could get up here and I could just teach you the Bible. I could do that. In fact, it would be way easier. And, and I don't have anything against expository preachers. Uh, you know, that, in fact, I, I really enjoy, you know, some of them. And, and in fact, you know, when I want to just learn the Bible, that's where I would go and I would listen to that. And you can get as much of that throughout the week as you can possibly imagine. And, and that's totally fine. But here's the thing, until I was a part of the crossing, application was kind of left out of the messages. It was just, 
here's what the Bible says. So I got smarter, but I didn't get necessarily better. And in fact, the thing that I have heard in and adults, why a whole bunch of adults don't go to church anymore is because they go and they listen to a message that I'm sure was really, really smart, and it was probably very biblically accurate, but they had no idea what it had to do with them, and they walked out feeling like it was irrelevant. It wasn't irrelevant. It was probably very true, but it felt irrelevant because it wasn't brought down to the very practical application of how does this actually impact your life. So I don't want to just teach you the Bible to get you smarter. I want to show you how the scriptures will actually change your life. Application of scriptural principles is everything. Knowledge by itself is useless if you aren't willing to apply it. And if you don't know how to apply it and we don't bring it, you know, break it down to that level, then, then what are we doing? And here's the thing. It's so interesting. Here's what people love when they first start coming to the crossing. They love the practical preaching. And then after a while, they stop liking this. You know why? Because we're not okay with you just listening and not doing. And after a while, that's uncomfortable. So after a while, it's like, I think I'd rather just go to a church that just kind of, I'm not sure what that message had to do with anything, but I get to check the box that I went to church and I don't have to change anything. So after a while, it's the thing people hate about the crossing, but we're going to keep being practical in our preaching. Here's another one that, of how we make, you know, uh, the four-year environment irresistible. The music genre has to engage the culture. The music genre. And I'm telling you, man, in the church growing up in the 80s, whoo, boy, talk about a battle. Oh, my goodness. And it's still a battle in some churches, but we've gotten to the place now where the churches that have been willing to adapt have adapted, and those that aren't, they'll just, they're the, they'll probably close their doors in the next 10, 15 years and be done. So, on Christmas Eve, Eve, so interesting, the, you guys, you bought uh, coffees for all of the staff for the elementary and high school uh, staff in COZAD this last week. Next month, keep it under your lid, but we're going to do it for the Gothenburg school. Okay, don't tell them yet, but they'll be expecting it. So here's the thing, but one, when I was over there and I'm delivering it, one of the gals was like, yeah, I... I actually went to the Christmas Eve Eve service, and, and she's like a, a young, hasn't been out of college very long. She's like, I couldn't believe it. John actually rapped in one of the first songs. That was so amazing. And I'm just laughing. I'm like, there you go. There you go. It engaged her in her culture. The music genre has to engage the culture. And for some of you, that means that the music genre is not going to be your favorite. And I've told you this before, my mom doesn't like the music that we do. And she shouldn't. She's 84, for crying out loud. Uh, you know, she didn't grow up with the guitar and all the stuff. She didn't, you know, it's not her thing. So, but you know what? 
she is willing to sacrifice her personal preference to see the next generation come to Christ. What makes a four-year environment irresistible? Up-to-date physical building spaces that are clean, up-to-date technology, and attention to detail. So when people walk in this facility, they should just be like, wow, these guys, these guys care about their facility. I'm get, I'm, we've had so many people come out of the, the bathroom and say, whoa, I come out of there with a whole new hairdo. I come out of there smelling amazing. I come out of there with fresh breath. I mean, that's the most amazing bathroom I've ever, I've ever been in. That's, that's incredible. Why do we do that? Because every environment says something. And we are very, very intentional we do not change the content on a Sunday morning, but we do change the experience for an unchurched person. All right, moving on to our second environment. We call it a living room environment. We have two very specific living room environments. When you go from the foyer in this house that you've never been in and you move into either the living room or the family room, it's this really uncomfortable kind of awkward stage where you get to know one another, but you don't want to know one another very well, so it's a little bit strange. It's a little bit awkward. It's an introvert's nightmare, but you know what? At some point, once they get to know them, then they're like, hey, I can have a conversation. We have two very specific engage, which is a four-session uh, experience that we have that actually starts today and, and goes every single month for four sessions. And, and you usually end up in this session with some other people that you may not necessarily know all that well, and so it's kind of like a family room environment. And by the end of the sessions, you know them really pretty good. And the next time you see them at church, you're willing to have a conversation with them. And service teams. You serve on a team, and when you first serve on that team and they meet together, you probably don't know everybody that's on that team. But as you serve together, one of the best ways to get to know people is to work with them and serve with them. In fact, Ashton and Sarah were back in the lounge you know, waiting to come out for their baptism. And they got to see what happens behind the scenes. And they're like, we had no idea all of this was going on back here. That's what happens. So this is irresistible because when they, when they start to know some other people and they just find out they're just people and they struggle with the same stuff I struggle with, it's like, oh, I like these people. And they seem to like me. All right. The most important irresistible environment is what we would call our kitchen environment. It is our life groups. This is our discipleship vehicle. Our Sunday morning foyer environment is not our discipleship vehicle. Our discipleship vehicle is life groups, and we feel like circles are better than rows, and circles are better than rows because you, you, you end up going through life together, and we call it a kitchen environment. Tonight, my life group's going to be meeting at our house, and, and, and you know what? 
They know each other so well. They'll walk in our house, they'll walk in our kitchen, and they'll open up my refrigerator and help themselves. They feel comfortable doing that, partly because Jen and I aren't very good hosts, so they know if they want something, they got to go get it themselves, but, but also because we just know each other really well, and we're walking through life together. So here's what makes it irresistible. People who are following Jesus by walking with one another, learning and applying Scripture with one another, a life group isn't just a Bible study. It, it involves Bible study, yes, but it's so much bigger than just Bible study. But yes, we open the Scriptures and, and, and we talk about it. Failing in a safe, loving community with, having a group of people that you you could actually be vulnerable with and share with them some of the things that you're failing in. When's the last time you felt comfortable in this environment sharing? Does anyone want to share what you failed in this last week? No, no one. That's why circles are better than rows. Because how in the world can you get better and learn to follow Jesus better if you can't be vulnerable with a group of people? So a place where, man, we're going we're gonna, to, provide a safe, loving community that, you know what, we all fail in, and we're going to encourage you, belly laugh with some great dad jokes being told, being held accountable by, I'm giving you permission to speak truth into my life, being encouraged by, because we all need encouragement, because this life is unbelievably difficult, being cared for by. This is where we deviate from old school you know, uh, country church, because in old school country church, the pastor was the one that's supposed to care for everybody. The pastor was the one that's supposed to visit everybody. The pastor was the one that's supposed to go to the hospital for everybody. But there's four to 500 of us. I'm just telling you, I, I have a hard enough time keeping track of my kids, okay? So sometimes when you're in the hospital, if I show up there it might be worse than you thought. Now, I'll come and visit. I, I, would love, I would love to do that. But I'm hoping your life group gets there before I do. Because they're the ones that are walking through life with you. They're the ones that just should be outpouring the care for you. This is how discipleship should be for life. Not just a six-week class where we teach you some things and then say you're discipled. Discipleship is a lifelong learning process of becoming more and more like Jesus. So I have one thing of homework for you, and then I'll pray for you. Would you be willing, if you have not already, to go through Engage? That would be so helpful for us as a church. Because not only will you learn specifically what it is we're trying to accomplish, you'll learn some things about yourself, and you might learn your, your place of how you can help this body move in accomplishing our mission. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we love you. Thank you for the mission that you have given us. I pray that you would help us to uh, do our best to create irresistible environments. That we would care for one another, yes, but we would prioritize reaching people that have yet to enter into a relationship with you. Would you help us to do that? In Jesus' name, amen.